thank you, Father, for your graciousness upon our lives. We thank you that Jesus is Lord. He's not just Savior, He is Lord. He's Lord over all our hearts. I ask for the everyone's spirit to rise up to hear what the Lord has to say. Thank you. Today we'll come in one way, but we go out another way. We believe here different than when we came in. But when we see Jesus, we can never be the same. We thank you for that. I pray as, as we, the anointing is here, I, I, I pray that people that are sick at home right now, people that are had this virus and, and flus and what have you, Lord, I come on. I say, thank you, Father, for the healing power of your spirit. That your distance is no matter to you. That on the cross 2,000 years ago, that you took your stripes, your wounds, we are healed. So, Lord, we declare healing over every sickness, every sickness upon their bodies. Father, we rebuke it in Jesus' name. And we thank you, Father, for the life-giving spirit. All spirit of infirmity, any disease, any inflammation, we rebuke you in the name of Jesus. And we ask the breath of God to touch everyone in their beds, at home, in hospitals, Father. People that are here today that are, are struggling, Father, we thank you for the wind of His Spirit. For Jesus says, I am the one that healeth thee. He sent His word and He healed them. So Lord, we thank you for the healing power. We stand on your word. Your word is true. And we thank you for a good report, Father. Holy Spirit, have your way. We stand in faith when two or three are gathered. In your name, you're in the midst of us. We come into an agreement with your word because your word is true. And we give you praise and honor. We thank you right now. We pray for those who aren't here today that should be here, Father, that you would bring them home. Let all the prodigals come home. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Welcome. Blessings to you all. Praise God. Have a seat. There's plenty of seats. My name's Tony. Um, I know most people here. Well, that's, that'll do. <laughs> Welcome to those online. Uh, God spoke to me about the guys listening online today. It was actually fascinating. So you're, you're part of this family online. You're listening on YouTube, whether you're listening on the Facebook or or maybe you watch it on a replay. And um, I encourage you guys to send out, if something touches your heart, a message that we, we preach here, Arabs preachers, and, or, you know, send it out. Don't be scared. Send it out and let people see what God's doing. And, and we don't know what God's going to do. Um, <laughs> you don't know what the Holy Spirit will do. He's not limited to us. The only limitations we, we have is what we limit God. But God's not, He's unlimited. Amen. God is good. So welcome. There's a listing online. So if you've got your Bibles, who's excited? Absolutely one person. Praise God. I'm ex as long as one person is excited, I'm happy. To be too truthful, as long as I'm excited, I don't care what you guys do. But no, I'm joking. Relax. All right. You know, I was asked a question. Is Adam and Eve real? Is that a true story? Is it an allegory? Is it a religious truth to show you a deeper meaning? Is it, is it just a parable or is it just a myth? 
or is it a true story? And you'll, you'll be surprised what people say, especially in the Christian world. But tonight, we're going to talk about Adam and go straight to Jesus. But, and I've been sharing a message the last two, three weeks about the light and about how God made Adam. And we're going to talk about a few specifics. But tonight, it's, it's, I want you to see the, the progression of God's love from the garden to the garden. From the Garden of Eden to the Garden of Gethsemane. To the man who's known as Adam, to the Son of Man, Jesus. And I pray that you get some enlightenment to see, because when the enemy puts doubt, I, heard, I read this, I, I'd, I'd heard about this, and I read this, article, this little article about a Christian professor in theology. So you're probably a lot smarter than me, because I can't even spell theology, all right? He's a Christian professor in theology, and he has done a summary after 20 years studying Genesis, and he said that the devil or Lucifer is not a bad person. Okay, I'd like to read that. Before I threw the remote at the TV. And he said that by his observation that Lucifer was a, uh, uh, he wasn't a bad person. He didn't trick Eve. It didn't trick Adam. What he did was he liberated Eve from a dictator who was a narcissistic master god. Professor in one of the universities in England. Now, I don't know about you, but I get more sense out of a drunken sailor than that bloke. Don't know what he was studying or what not what he was smoking, but I'll tell you what, all he was smoking was the devil's urine. Oh, no, I shouldn't go there. But that is the most, the dumbest thing I've ever heard from a Christian leader. And yet, people believe him. You got no hope. But the Bible interprets the Bible, amen? We have a, that's why he says no one teach you unless the Holy Spirit can teach you. He doesn't think we haven't got teachers in the body. He's saying, unless you know the Holy Spirit, you won't know what I'm saying, if it's true or not. I don't want to preach error. I don't want to preach false doctrine. And if I have in the past where I've said something wrong, God's corrected me, I bring it up and I apologize. But I'm never out to deceive anyone because I know eternity, hell is waiting for me if I deceive anyone. The Bible says greater judgment, double judgment on those who teach. So you, Professor, what a ludicrous thing to say. But see, we're in a world of deception now. What good, what's good is bad, and what's bad is good. What's good to the eye is good enough for me. Whatever I want, I need. So we have a massive identity crisis in this world right now. We've had it since day one, and we're going to talk about it. Identity is the biggest problem. The biggest problem. And if you have a look at, if you've been here long enough to know, and, and a lot of people have been, and and been going through the scripture, and Rabs and I always try to, to, to lead you and teach you what the Holy Spirit wants us to teach. It's a lot easier for me to make you laugh for an hour and tell you about Jesus dying to the cross, but it's important that you understand the scripture, and we're not claiming to know it all, and we're not claiming to be experts at everything, but we do know God is love, God is merciful, God is just. It's the fear of the Lord, and the love of the Father, to lead us on that narrow road. See, we don't change God the way we want. We don't make God into our image and our likeness. But God is God, and He does not change. Amen? He does not change. And we see this in the story of Adam, and we'll, quit, and we'll go through this, and I pray that today you, you leave it today, the sons of Adam, and become the sons of God. Or the old nature, Adam, completely dies today, and we walk in the newness of life. 
Brad's going to be teaching some amazing things about envy and then talking about the, the light of life and the spirit of God God's been showing me. And all that is great, if, but if we don't start walking in it, it's just words. The Adam in the garden, he was ministry, he was fellowshipping with God. He was walking in revelation knowledge. He was walking in the spiritual knowledge of God. He fell and went from revelation to information. Wearing information, trying to get revelation. In other words, and I'm dropping the gun here, but in other words, when God, Adam didn't have to believe for anything. He just knew God. He was in the presence of God day and night. When he fell, he fell out of the garden. And we'll talk about this. And ever since then, man's been trying to get back in the garden. But we've had an issue at the long way. We've had an adversary, a, a someone who's trying to poke us, the enemy. We've got our flesh, and he loves to control the flesh. We have the, 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 the Lucifer, the Satan, the devil of old. But I'm afraid that some people are blaming him for everything, and he is to blame, but we have to take responsibility for our life. See, I can point the finger at the devil 24-7, and God says, but what about you? See, I've given you the words. Deuteronomy says, I've put before you blessings and curses, life and death. And then God makes it easy. He says, now choose life. He made it very easy. He goes, there's blessings and there's curses. There's life and there's death. Choose life. What do we do? We choose death. So we need to know why. The identity crisis in the world right now is in every area of your life. Any need that you need today is because of your identity. See, everything you lack today, whether you think you need a better job, a better husband, or a better wife, or new kids, or a new car, it all stems out of the lack of the love of the Father. It's the God factor that's missing in your life. Every person in this world, whether they're saved or not saved, whether they believe in God or don't believe in God, have a missing element. It's the God factor. They're searching for it. They just don't know it yet. Because if God created you, then God knows what's missing in you. If you create something, then the creator has left something out or has moved away, then that person will never be fulfilled until he finds his creator. Until you belong, you'll never become. You can play around the edges. You can be, get religious, but you'll never have no favor. You'll have no power. The Bible says that he who comes to me, I'll never put to shame. If we come to Jesus, he'll enlighten us, empower us, and take us to places we'll never dream. Who wants that? So who wants to shake off the old and go into the new? Who's sick of old religion, old tradition, all that? Tradition in itself is not bad. Uh, where we've come from is not bad. But if it's bind us there and we bound there and we stay there, we never see the future. A man, Jesus asked the man, come with me, follow me. And the man says, let me bury my father. And Jesus said, let the dead bury the dead. Someone said, that's a bit harsh. I mean, someone dies, you have to bury him, he's his father. Listen to me. He asked him to come and follow him. The demon-possessed guy in the cemetery who was breaking chains and who's full of demons, and Jesus healed him, he never asked him to follow him. He says, go back and tell them what God's done for you. But he asked another man, follow me. And he says, let me bury my father. Hello, dopey. Jesus, the giver of life, is standing there. He says, let the dead bury the dead. You know what he was saying? You're just as dead as the dead because I'm standing here. You never asked me to go and heal him, lift him out from the grave. Jesus walked past the funeral. They get out. He's let the dead bury the dead. Mary goes to the tomb. and says, what do you look for the living among the dead for? He's risen. Listen, we serve a living Christ, not a dead Christ. And his gifts are for us. His power is for us. His prophetic word is for us. Salvation is for us. The kingdom of heaven has come down. Just like I said, our Father, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
What are you waiting to go to a destination? What we're doing here, the kingdom of God is within you. It comes out of sonship. When I say sonship, I'm going to explain it tonight. It doesn't mean male. It means uh, not a, 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 a agenda, it's a position. You know that Adam, oh, oh, I'm jumping the gun. Genesis 1.26. Let's go on a journey here. And we'll talk later. God said, everyone say God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the, the cattle, over the, all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God said, now the word God, when you see God in there, you see it's Elohim. Elohim meaning, it's, it's El meaning God, almighty, powerful, and Him, it's plural. It's used as a singular word. It's about God. It means God's name, but it refers to more than one character in the Godhead. People believe that now, and the people punch on about this, but God, in this instance, Elohim, is Father, the Word, the Holy Spirit. What we say, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Let us make God, let us make man in our image, in our likeness. God gave straight away man an identity. He says, his identity is in us. And I shared this a couple of weeks ago, and if you haven't listened, go back to it, but he breathed into the Bible says, the Hebrew says that he formed God, man from the dust of the earth. The other word, he shadowed man. In other words, he laid on that, on that dirt. And his features and everything about him came out of the ground. And man became a living soul. And here he talks about, I've given you dominion. Now this speaks of a covenant. Man now becomes flesh and blood, but he emanates the glory of God. Adam and Eve walked in the garden. And did not know they were naked. It's funny that Moses wrote the book of Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. So Moses is writing this event after the fact. And he's summarizing this. So really creation is pretty, like you read Genesis 1, 2, and 3, and 4, 5. You talk about creation and what happened. But to get a bigger picture on how God created things, you've got to go to Ezekiel and then Job and Isaiah. There's so much more there about the intricate things about God. So this is a summary because Moses was writing to people that already knew the story. Are you with me? Moses wasn't there. So Moses says they had dominion over the fish. In other words, man, Adam, which means from the earth, from the red earth or the man earth or the man with blood from the earth. That's what Adam means, mankind. But man, he says he made man, Adam, male and female. So God was calling Eve. Her name wasn't Eve until the fall. Her name was Adam or Adam with the womb. Or man, woman, man with the womb. Are you with me? God equated them equal. Because Moses says the next verse, he says, man should leave his mother and father become one with his wife. They were equal. Now man, in the likeness of God, in the image of God. We spoke about this last week, so you can go back and listen to it. But here he gives them dominion. It's interesting. God is a God of covenants. God is a God of his word. God does not say something if it doesn't want it to come to pass. People say, why would God do that if it was a mistake? God doesn't make mistakes. God is a covenant God. He made a covenant with man, Adam, because he put blood in him. Every covenant you see in the Bible, not every one of them, but most of them are covenants that God made, whether it was Noah, whether it was um, Abraham, whether it was David, whether it was um, Moses. Every covenant is cut by blood. Most of them are. It's not limited to blood. But whenever God makes a covenant with you, it's the shedding of blood. Life dies, 
Because what happens is we make an agreement. If me and Johnny made an agreement and we're in the gangs back in the day and he's from Bankstown and I'm from Granville, we would cut our hands and we'd shake hands and we'd have blood covenant. We could never break it. What's his is his, what's mine is mine. If I'm willing to die, he's willing to die. It doesn't work because when Levos, they break the covenant in three seconds. But anyway. But that's the, before I got saved, if you ask me about blood, what's a blood covenant? What's a blood uh, uh, agreement? What's a shedding of blood? I would have thought witchcraft. I would have thought, you know, voodoo. I would have thought people killing chickens and, and, um, and gang members. And you hear the mafia, you know, they do blood covenants. I never attribute blood covenant to Jesus on the cross shedding his blood. But what the devil does, he perverts it. So we get to not understand what the true blood of Jesus did. But when the lights come on, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you know, wow, I've got a blood covenant with Jesus. And it's interesting to know that when Abraham made a covenant with God, God said to Abraham, you're Abraham to be the father of many, and from your seed, from your loins, from your generation, there will be a seed, and the nations will be blessed. Speaking about Jesus will come from the lineage of Abraham. He says, you'll be a father of many. And he made a covenant. He says, go get, uh, from memory, a goat, a lamb, a a few animals and chop them in half and put them on either side. And guess what we'll do? We'll walk through. God and Abraham would walk through the blood and make a covenant that can never be broken. But God says, but this is a very important covenant now because if Abraham was to break the covenant, then the seed, Jesus, eventually would not come. And Jesus had to come. So what did he do? He put him to sleep. And God, the Elohim, walked through there with, the sh with a cloud. Guess who walked in there? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They made a covenant with each other. Guess what? It can never be broken. Abraham did his bit by bringing the animals and killing them. But what God says, you know what, Abraham, I don't trust you. Go to sleep. And he did. He mucked it up. But Abraham believed God in advance. The Bible says he heard the gospel in advance. And the Bible says that he was accounted to him as righteous. No one could be righteous until Jesus came. There was righteousness in the Old Testament based on the law. But the righteousness that we have in Christ Jesus is totally different. But Abraham says he was a, a friend of God. And it was accounted to him as righteous. In other words, they had an account. God put an account. Abraham, you believe God that Jesus would come one day and die and rise again? I'll put it on an account, and when Jesus comes, he'll pay it in full. Are you with me? They're the covenants God made. So God makes a covenant with Adam, and Adam now has got dominion. And God says, and I wrote this down today, Adam was like God. The woman was like God. And I said, here, God... Yeah, it's Elohim, okay? Triune God. But after the fall of man, no longer uh, Adam no longer identified with God, Elohim, in the one in the spirit. He started to identify with God in the soul realm, the natural senses governed by the natural world. Once Adam fell, his eyes were opened, he knew he was naked, and he went and hid and sewed fig leaves together to cover himself. Moses was quite interested, but he said Adam and Eve, or Adam and the woman, walked in the garden, and they did. Uh, they they were naked and had no shame. What would you add that if he wasn't reporting it from after the fact? Because Moses wrote it was after the fact. See, Adam and Eve, or the woman, walked in the garden freely. Why? They had no shame. The Bible says God breathed into them life. That life was the life of God. And I shared a couple weeks ago that Jesus is the life of God. And he became a living soul. But the minute he sinned, because he was walking around the garden, sweet. Everything was good. Why? He, had, he, had, he was a natural man with a spirit, with blood, with a flesh. But what Im 
emanated out of him, what reflected out of him was the light of God. So he was covered in the glory of God. But the minute he, got, he sinned, the light went out. He was still alive, but now he's spiritually dead. The light went out, and yes, he saw himself in his then shame. He knows good and evil. I used to often think to myself, why is it so wrong for them to eat from the knowledge of good and evil when they know good and evil? What's wrong with that? If Adam eats from that tree, he'll know good from evil. The problem with that is that he didn't know right from wrong or good and evil. He just knew God. God wanted him to be like him in his nature. He didn't have to know right from wrong. And the enemy comes, the serpent, the snake, Lucifer comes and he tricks him and says, what tree you're not meant to eat from? Well, that one, because if we eat it, we'll die. You won't die. You'd be like God, knowing good from evil. But they're already like God. So Eve thinks to herself, God's holding out on us. And the Bible says it looked good to the eyes and pleasant to eat. But that's why we walk by faith and not by sight. Adam didn't have to walk by faith. He just had to walk in the garden. He had everything for him. The only thing he had to believe for is that tree. Don't touch that because God said it will die. God gave, made a covenant with Adam, made him a son. He gave him authority. If you ever look there, only the father or a king gives a dominion. When you talk about dominion, that's, that's, a, that's a throne. A king gives dominion. Here, you can take this block of land and you, this city and you look after it. He gives them dominion. God made a covenant with Abraham as a son. He put his blood in him. He put his spirit in him. He put his life in him like a father and a son. He loved him. The Bible says they walked in the cool of the day together. And I wrote this down here. When Adam sinned, he hid from the father. See, the Bible says when Adam ate, his eyes were open, not when Eve ate. When Eve ate, and you read through the scripture, it says Eve was deceived, but Adam sinned. So Eve, or the woman, ate. Nothing happened. And Adam looked and said, well, so, far, so much for dying. She's here, take and eat. So every time my wife says, come and eat, I go, no way. I know what happened. <laughs> I'm joking. Are you sure we can eat from that? <laughs> but the minute he ate, because the responsibility was on his shoulders, and then his eyes were open. I guarantee you, if Eve ate, and then Adam said, hey, stop right there, you get out, kicked him out of the garden, and ran straight to the father, he would have forgiven him. Adam is the type of the bridegroom. Eve is the type of the bride. She came from him, he's his helpmate, his bride. Yeah? Because he failed, guess what? Jesus had to come as the bridegroom. He had to come many years later to restore the bride who sinned, the church, us, to restore us back to him. What a picture. And it's interesting to know that um, I wrote here, I wrote this down, I never write, so, but I typed. And it says this. While he walked in the garden with God, he walked in the glory of God that emanated and reflected God from the inside out. He operated from the mind and the heart and the will of God. He had the authority of God. He had dominion over all creation. He even named all the animals. He fellowshiped with God, Elohim, in the cool of the day. As he was living out of his spirit man, he wasn't subject to the creation or the natural laws, as long as he walked in obedience. So God says, look after it, tend to it. He gave him something to do, protect it. Watch over it. It's yours. And he didn't. The enemy shouldn't have got that close to them to even be talking to them if he did his job. 
to often say that it wasn't what Adam did that caused sin. It was what Adam didn't do. He didn't rise up to be the man of God he had to be and stand in the gap. He let him come in. Once he's in the door, it's over. The Bible says what the Rebs are saying, a little leaven corrupts the whole batch. You open the door to the enemy, he takes the whole lot. So Adam now is out. But when Adam was in the spirit, he wasn't subject to the natural laws. Now, if you have a look, and I'm not going to get into it too much, but it it was very interesting to me that when God created the heavens and the earth, it was good. God created the the waters, it was good. God created the birds, it it created everything, it was good. When he got to the sixth day, God created man, it was very good. He loved it. it. Elohim created everything. The Father, the Word, and the Spirit created everything. The next verse, he says, now on the seventh day, Elohim rested. As if God needs a rest. But the rest wasn't that he was tired. The rest was a peace. That he was happy about what he did. It's a finished work. Man's first day on earth was God's rest day. So man's first day was God's, they were in rest. And they look back and they see what God did. go, it was good. Isn't that a picture of the cross? Jesus did it all. And we rest in the finished work of the cross. Tonight, if you're not in rest, you don't know the cross. Are you with me? So now Adam... Man's first day. After that, you're reading the Bible. If you open up your Bibles, if you've got your Bibles, look at it. No longer it says God. It says Lord God, Lord God, Lord God. And now in English, it doesn't mean nothing to us. But in Hebrew, Elohim means the plural, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. But Lord God means Yahweh or Yahweh Elohim, which means the governmental part of God. Where sowing and reaping, harvest time and, and rain, all that sort of stuff that happens on the earth. That's when the Bible says, whatever a man sows, he will reap. And everyone uses that just for giving. But you know what? You can sow seeds as a believer, speaking in tongues, prophesying, casting out devils, doing somersaults with angels, whatever you want. But if I'm sowing seeds of discord, I'm going to get a harvest one day. Everything is seed and harvest time on this earth. That's the structure of God. People call it karma, but if you believe in karma, you're going to hell. Now, truly, if you believe in karma, what goes around comes around, then we've all broken God's laws, we're all going to hell. But thank God for the blood of Jesus, eh? But that structure, the governmental part of God, the system, how it all works. Lucifer, Rab said this, it was awesome. He said that Satan, why they depict Lucifer as a snake, is a snake never closes its eyes. It's always watching. Well, Lucifer walked in the fiery stones with God. He was called the morning star. He'd come up in and out like a cherubim. He would see the things that God created. And you can read it in Ezekiel. I don't want to go through it because I wrote it down, but we're not going to read it because it's amazing. But he saw the hand of God, how he made the stars and how he did it all out of his hands. He saw Lucifer would come in and out. Gabriel would come in and out. Michael would go in. And they saw all these things. Gabriel is, they reckon, is the angel over the word. And Michael is the angel over war, spiritual war. And Lucifer was the angel of light. He's called Lucifer, means the light bearer. And the, the pipes, he had wings in him. He would sing, he would worship. That's why the music world is corrupted by Lucifer himself. Because he was the worshiper in heaven. He was the son of the morning, they called him. He was beautiful. Everything about him was beautiful. And he would walk in and out of the fiery stones, meaning the revelation of God. And they would sing, holy, holy. You know why? They'd sing something about God they never saw before. But something happened because he saw Adam in the heart of God, in the mind of God. He saw earth being made. For who? For man. He goes, what? And he wanted that place. He wanted to be seated at the right hand. The Bible says he wanted to exalt his throne, that everyone worship him. He became prideful. It was all about him. And he got jealous or he had envy because God had a different plan. This is where you start seeing a change. We'll probably jump 10 
places where it should be. Galatians chapter 5. We're going to go to the New Testament. So while, while um, Adam was in the garden, there was seed time and harvest time. The trees would grow, the seeds would fall, and they'd just grow again. He didn't have to do anything. He just had to look after it. Galatians says, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. This is talking about the law of Moses. But think of it this way. Adam was in the garden. He wasn't from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. He was in that system, but he knew God. He was, uh, he was reflecting God. He wasn't subject to any laws until he sinned. Until he ate from the knowledge of good and evil, then he was subject to the laws that God put on the earth, the fundamental laws. But here in Galatians, he says, but if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under any law. That doesn't mean that you, you go home now and say, Tony said, we're in the Spirit, and he starts sinning, you're not under the law. <laughs> the big stick will come out. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, but when I'm under, in the Spirit, no longer the accusations of the law can point at me, because if I'm in the Spirit, that means I'm born again. That means God's Spirit is on me, and the blood of Jesus covers me from all accusation. So while I'm not, I'm walking in the flesh. Guess what I'm walking? In the nature of Adam. Does that make sense? So you get a picture on where I'm going. Genesis chapter 3, verse 8. And they heard the sound of the Lord God. See how this went now? It's no longer God or Elohim. It's the Lord God. Yahweh or Yahweh Elohim. The structure and the government of God. And I'm saying this for a reason because I'll wind that up later. And walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. It's interesting what it means at the cool of the day. Next verse. And the Lord called to Adam and said to him, where are you? Like God didn't know. <laughs> it's like your mum calling you, where are you? You know. Uh, and then you hear the whoosh, I go, well, I'm here. <laughs> All the thong goes through the roof. My mum had a boomerang thong, honestly. If I'm around the corner, she'd throw it and it hit me in the back of the head. So he said, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. Next verse. And he said, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I command you not to eat? You should not eat from? The cool of the day. Do you think it was hot in Eden? Was it really hot and they got cool as so God came? The cool of the day speaks of a gentle breeze. It speaks of the presence of God. It speaks that Adam was supposed to be doing his job. And then in the cool of the day or in the spirit realm, the Bible says the breath of God, the ruha, the ru it means spirit, it means wind, and it means breath. And the presence of God, he, the breeze of God came and Adam would come into fellowship with the Father. But all of a sudden, can we go back to the beginning of that scripture? Look at this. In the cool of the day speaks of a peaceful, when you hear of the cool of the day, the breeze of the day, it's the twilight of the day, it's peaceful. But all of a sudden now, this peaceful is gone. Adam has just sinned. Creation itself started to groan. And, and look what he says. He says, I heard the sound of the Lord God. And I was, the Bible says in Job, when he talks about the sound of God, it was a whirlwind. Uh, Moses talks about it, thunder. All of a sudden, Joe, uh, Adam heard something he never heard before. It was thunder and lightning or whatever he heard, he ran. Because something had changed. And God says, where are you, Adam? You know what he was saying? I don't know where you are. Are you hiding? Or was he saying, where are you, Adam? Because that's not the Adam I created. Something's changed. So when they see Jesus, they said, who are you? He said, I am. And they all fell over, the guards. When you know who you are, 
the power of God can work through you. Adam forgot who he was. He lost his identity. And mankind has been trying to find an identity ever since. And here, the call of the day no longer was a peaceful thing. He was hid. But there's something you need to understand that Lucifer, the fallen angel, he studies all this. And I was going to read this um, Isaiah 40. Let's read it. I already spoke it, but let's read it. Isaiah 14, 12 says, How you have fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, the son of the morning. How you are cut down to the ground. You have weakened the nations. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. The stars represent angels. So he wanted to go above God, above all the angels and be worshipped. I will also sit on the mountain of the congregation on the further side of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds and I'll be like the most high. Yet you shall be brought down to shale, to the lowest depths of the pit. Those who see you will gaze at you and consider you saying, is that the man who made the earth tremble, who shook the kingdoms? We give too much authority to the devil. Because one day we're going to stand with Jesus and look down and say, was that, was that him that just caused all this havoc on the world? You see, Lucifer here wanted to raise his kingdom above God's kingdom. See, Adam was in the east of the garden. He wanted to lift his throne above the north in the congregation where all the angels were worshipping God. He thought he could, how dumb can you get and breathe? How dumb can you get and start a revolution in heaven and think that you're going to be God? God kicked him out, kicked him out of heaven, him and the third of the angels. But see, this Lucifer was watching. As I said to you, he was going in and out of God, in and out of the fire. He knows everything, how it works. That's why he's legalistic. That's why he knows Scripture. He's perverted Scripture, but he knows Scripture. He knows how, how everything works. He knows if I can get you to do this and sow this seed and, and speak this wrong. He knows that the, the fundamental laws, he knows how to get you. As Rab said, he watches. He's been watching mankind for years. But you know he's defeated? Hello, your enemy is being defeated. Enemy's been defeated. You're not very excited. Is any Luciferians in this room? He's been defeated. Jesus said this about Satan. He's the liar and the father of lies. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. What does he steal? He steals the truth, the word, God's reality out of your life, your identity. He kills the life of God in you. When he can take the word off you, or twist the word on you, or pervert the word on you, you don't know who you are anymore. Guess what? He's got you. And you wonder why my life is crap. Because you, you've allowed him to snatch the word off you. Or you've just not taken the word. He thinks that's easy. And then he says it comes to kill your life, the life of God in you, and destroy. He destroys your fellowship, your walk, and your identity. See, he, all he wants to be is worshipped. Now, he doesn't just want us to sing for him. He wants us to obey his every command, just like we would do for God. He wants your worship. He tries to do everything. See, a covenant is very important. That's why a lot of witchcraft is stooped in covenants. You go and speak to some people that do certain covenants. They're bound by that covenant. They're very powerful, even on the wrong side. And the only way you can break this covenant is renouncing it and the blood of Jesus. Blood for blood, life for life. He wanted to be like God. He wanted Adam's throne. He hated Adam that much because you know how much God loved him. You know how much God loves you? We don't, under, we don't understand 
how much the Father loves us. We really don't. If we understand how much He loves us, our life would change overnight. But there's a blockage. There's different things in our life. That's why we chip away at you every week. And, you know, we, that's why we, we're on about fasting and prayer. And that. That's not the victory. The victory is Calvary. But if I'm sitting here saying victory is Calvary, I'll do nothing. I don't read the word. I don't fast. I don't. How am I going to get that reality into my spirit to kill the flesh? How? I'm lying to myself. See, our victory is in the cross. Amen. Can anyone say amen? It's the blood of Jesus that sanctifies and sets us free. Amen? Yeah, but how do we make that reality on this earth if we don't put the flesh to death? That's what we're trying to say here. That God the Father loved Adam so much, but he had to do something. He had to take him out of the garden because he hated him? No. He had to protect him from the tree of life. If they had eaten the tree of life, they would, have, they would stay in that sinful state forever. No salvation. The Bible says he put a, a sword, an angel of a sword, to protect the tree of the way back to the... He was saying, I'm putting an angel here. You can't eat from this now, but one day you will. The sword represents the word of God. He, he used to throw the sword every which way. What did the Bible say? I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Psalm, just read this one through. Psalm 8, 1, 6. O Lord, O Lord. Now, O Lord meaning Yahweh, our Lord, sorry. O Lord, our Lord meaning Master. How excellent is your name in all the earth, who you have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you have ordained strength because of your, enemy, uh, because of your enemies that you may silence the enemy and the avenger. When I consider that your, your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon, the stars, which I have ordained, you have ordained. What is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you visit him? For you have made him a little lower than the angels and you have crowned him with glory and honor. You have made him to have dominion over all the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet. Who is man that you're mindful of man? The son of man that you care for. The Bible says here, it says you made him a little lower than angels. You know in the Hebrew it says, you made him a little lower than Elohim. People debate whether it's angel or God. But I guarantee you it's God. Because Adam, if this is referring to Adam, Adam was made in God's image and likeness. No angel has ever been made in God's image and likeness. If it's referring to Jesus, which I believe it is, son of man, talking about Adam to Jesus. But here it says here, Oh, he's gone. Hello. Can you go back? Oh, no, can we go back? I want to show you something. Keep going. You've crowned him with glory and honor. Didn't, isn't that what he did to Adam? He's walking in the glory of God. He crowned him like a king. He, put a, he had a throne, Adam. He was in covenant with God the Father. Yeah? Keep going. What is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you visit him? What did God do in the cool of the garden? He visits him. I want to show you something here. I never saw this until this morning. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 9. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 5. Sorry. For he has not put the world to come of which we speak in subjection to angels. Stop there. 
the writer of Hebrews is talking about what Jesus has done, the premise of Jesus, yeah? And the world that's coming, the world that he saved on earth and what's coming, the kingdom. Are you with me? And he's saying that, and he's, and he's going here, he's saying, for he has not put the world to come in the hands of angels. They're not going to be ruled by angels. The Bible says angels are ministering spirits. We rule over them. Are you with me? Read through the whole scripture. We rule over angels. Angels are ministering spirits. They minister with us. But here, he's saying that it's not this world to come. It's not for them. You go to the next one. But the one testified in a certain place. But one testified in a certain place. If you read it in context, there was one angel that was complaining. And he testified in a certain place. It could be in the courts of heaven. It could have been before God. We just read what he was doing earlier, right? Look what he says here. But one testified, complained, and brought his complaint to God in the survey, saying, what is man that you're mindful of him? The son of man that you take care of him now. See, in Psalms, you visit him, but now you take care of him. One speaking about Adam in the garden, and then Lucifer was so upset, he wanted his throne. He wanted to be in the right hand. He wanted to be seated at the heavenly places. But then he fell, tricked him, fell out of heaven, tricked Adam. He fell out of heaven, out of the garden. Then Jesus comes along. Guess what? This is the son of man, and he's going to take all premise. Look, and you take care of him. Can you see that? That God the Father had it all planned. The devil was coming after the Son of Man and he thought he had Jesus. Look what he did. He beat Adam, the Son of Man. Therefore, he had Jesus. He understands Scripture. He doesn't understand the mysteries behind Scripture. Because he's perverted now and his glory has left him. So now he distorts Scripture. He's deceived and he's the father of lies. He lies to himself. Look what happens here. The devil thought he had Jesus. He thought to himself, I've deceived Adam, the son of man, and I'll deceive the second Adam, the last Adam. How many of you know that Jesus, the great I am, the word that became flesh, the light of life, the holy one of Israel, was ready for him. Jesus was ready to become sin, become a curse, and be a perfect sacrifice to go to the cross to complete the works for his father. It was a different fight now. So Adam lost it. He lost dominion. He lost the crown. He lost the glory. He lost um, um, authority and guess who came and took it back what does the Bible say Jesus came as the son of man Adam and he went to the cross and the Bible says they killed him and he thought it's over we won then he went into the belly of the earth and what did he do the Bible says he made a public spectacle of every demon and every devil in hell he paraded them like he'd done a lap of honor with them and he said I've won and the Bible says he took the keys of death hell and the grave and he brought him back. Keys represent authority, represents ownership, represents a doorway. He took keys of death, hell, and the grave. And he came out of heaven and they said, Hang on, we can't keep this guy down. And he rose from the dead to give us evidence. Because if, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, we are all pitiful human beings. And what we believe is a waste of time. But the Son of Man, Jesus, took on the devil face to face. The devil is that stupid, he thinks he can beat him. We're that stupid, we think he's one. Or he's, the devil's attacking me. The devil's doing this. And yet you give him any ounce of, you know what? The Bible says, be wary of his devices. Watch his strategies. Watch the patterns. Watch his, but you know what? Why are we watching him so much and not watching what Jesus has done? Are you with me? There's no excuse if you have the Holy Spirit in you. Philippians 2, 5, 11 says, 
Let, the mind, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, who being the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming into the likeness of men and being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient. That's what Adam didn't do. He wasn't obedient. But Jesus was obedient. But what his obedience was, and obedient to the point of death, even death of the cross. But because he did that, look what God did. Therefore, God, ex God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that name of Jesus, that every knee shall bow, and those in heaven and those on earth and those under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father in heaven. Amen. He humbled himself, became Adam. But guess what he did? He didn't just defeat the devil on the cross. He did two things. He actually did three things, but two things. He defeated Satan and he killed Adam. He defeated Satan and his works and his power and he killed the Adam species. So when he went to the grave and rose again, he gave you the ability to be born of his spirit now, born of his nature. He's restoring Adam or mankind back to reality, but this time you've got the Spirit of Christ in you, the hope of glory. He took away and he killed Adam, the species. It died on the cross that day. That's why the Bible says you're a new creation in Christ or a new species in Christ. No longer you live, but Christ lives in you. Is anyone getting this? I'm excited. He took it upon himself. Why? Because God hated Adam and kicked him out of the garden? Because he loved him. He had a covenant. See, even if Adam broke the covenant, God will never break his covenant with him. Isn't it? And he breaks up the lion. This is the blood of the everlasting covenant that will be shed for you. Everlasting means it's forever. You might walk away from God, but God will never walk away from you. God is bound by his word. What did we say in Psalms when I first before worship? He exalts his word above his name. His name is above every name. And you understand Ephesians chapter 2, 4. For God, who is rich in mercy, everyone say rich in mercy, because of his great love with which we, he loved us. He loved us. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, in other words, we're in our sinful state. Made us alive together with Christ by the grace you have been saved. And raised us up together. And made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Right now. If you confess Jesus Christ as Lord and you are repented of your sin and you're born of His Spirit, guess where your spirit is sitting now? In heavenly places at the right hand of the Father. You are seated where Adam should have been seated. Now the blood covenant has been made and Jesus has went to the Father and He said, I'm going to sit on the ark of the covenant in heaven. The Bible says the ark that Moses made with the cherubims and the mercy seat and all that was a replica of what's in heaven. So blood had to be shed. They kill a lamb. We sang the song and we put it on the mercy seat. What's the mercy seat? We need mercy and blood has to be shed for sin. The wages of sin is death. I don't care if you stole a straw, a toothpick, or you murdered someone. It's a sin and God needs to be blood sacrificed. He puts a lamb on the mercy seat. 
And Jesus was our mercy seat. He shed his blood, just like a lamb in the temple. But when Jesus went to heaven, guess what? He said to Mary, don't cleave to me, Mary. Don't touch me. Don't, don't, you can't hang on to me. I've not yet ascended to the Father. Why? He had to go and sit on the mercy seat in heaven next to the Father to pay the full price for you and me to enter heaven. But there's no blood in heaven. Yeah, but he shed his blood on earth. And his blood type, as he ascended to the Father, his blood went from red to pure white. And he sat on the seat. The man with blood sat on the seat. He sat on Adam's throne. He sat on the throne that Lucifer wanted. They can't get. And that's why Lucifer said, who is man that you're mindful of man? The son of man that you care for him. He was filthy. That God would make a creation like him. And he couldn't be a part of that. Yet Jesus comes and sits. The Bible says, God the Father, the whole angels, and then Jesus sits, sitting on the mercy seat. Under the mercy seat in the Ark of the Covenant, what's in there? Who remembers what's in there? There's the manna. There's Aaron's rod that budded dead. What else is in there? Ten Commandments. What do the Ten Commandments do when you look at them? If you look at the Ten Commandments, doesn't that judge you? Who here can keep all the law? Who here can keep all the Ten Commandments? The Bible says the law brings a curse. Doesn't it say? The letter of the law kills. The Bible says the law is holy, but because of your flesh, your natural, that's where Jesus came, true? But if God takes the mercy seat off the tabernacle, or you look in there, guess what? Judgment comes upon you. But what happens is there's a lid called the mercy seat, and it's seated, and only blood can cover sin. So who sat on there? Jesus. You know what? When the devil accuses you, Jesus sits there and says, no accusation. My blood covers you. You can't be judged. The only judgment you have is if you fall out of his way, fall out of it, and then the system judges you. And God's sitting on the mercy seat. <laughs> but guess where we are seated? Right next to him. We're sitting, in, <laughs> we're sitting right next to him. The only time in Scripture you see, you see Jesus seated at the right hand of the Father. You see him seated at the right hand of glory. You see him seated, 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 seated. When a king or a prince sits, when a king sits, everyone sits with him. It's, everyone has to sit like a judge. He sits up, sits down, sits up. But a king, when he sits, it means rest. When he sits, it's like finished. It's rest. True? Jesus has finished his work. He says, I've, worked, I've finished the work you have com I've completed to do for you, Father. And now he's seated. But when Stephen was getting stoned, and he was sitting, he looked up, and he saw Jesus standing. Because you know what he was standing for? He was standing to take the prayers that he said, Father, don't hold this sin against them. And guess who was standing there with the clothes of the people stoning him? The apostle Saul, who ended up being the apostle Paul. Jesus took that prayer of Stephen and grabbed it. Whatever you're bound on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will lose prayers. And not even not long after that, Saul's going to lock up more Christians. And Jesus appears in a, in a white light and knocks him on his horse, sends him blind. He gets prayed on. The scars come off his eyes and he wrote the, most of the New Testament. How good is that? He stood. The Bible says in Isaiah 53, he who makes intercession for us. When you pray, guess who's making intercession for you? The one seated on the mercy seat because his blood cries out. That's a beautiful picture. And Adam now is dead, but Jesus is alive. Can someone say amen?
And for those who don't believe still that Adam and Eve is not true, the Bible says it. Well, that's Old Testament. Okay. Jesus mentioned Abel's blood. Yeah, but that's just a metaphor. Okay. Paul says this, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And so is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last man became a life-giving spirit. Since there's Paul still talking about myths. In Romans, it talks about through one man's disobedience, sin reigned through all men, but through a, the la, another man's obedience, righteousness and holiness reigned. Who was that one man? Would you honestly believe? Would you honestly believe? Use online, listen to me. Would you honestly believe that Jesus of Nazareth, the Son of God, God sent His Son through a virgin birth, put Him on this earth to go and be whipped and bashed by His creation and die on a cross and rise again for a myth? Do you believe that? If it was a myth, then God would have sorted it out. But it's not a myth. Mankind is evil at heart. But if it wasn't for Jesus, if it wasn't for his blood, if it wasn't for his life, we'd be still there in the grave. We'd be dead. We're alive, but we're dead. But Jesus came along as a man, the son of man, the son of man. The son of God became the son of man, so the sons of men can become the children of God. That's enough to rejoice there. What wouldn't you give Jesus now? What part of your life wouldn't you give Jesus now? Because you'd be given it all. Everything is his. Everything I have is yours. Just come to the Father. What would you hold on to? What would you? What is there left? Romans, I said, Romans, I'm not going to read it now. He made us sons. So when you look at the word sons, girls, listen to me. When you look at the word sons, he's not talking about a male. When you look at the word Adam, he's not talking about a male. He's talking about man. And Adam is also a woman, a man with a womb. You're equal. Isn't that funny that the minute everything went sour, <laughs> I found it funny, but anyway, you're going to kill me. Where's my wife? Or I'll stand over here. Adam was called man from the earth. And the female version of Adam was called woman, which is Adam with a womb. But it wasn't until after the fall, Adam calls his wife Eve, the mother of all living things, because everything was cursed by then. So everything that comes out is cursed. Come back, you know. But Jesus, oh, I love this. Jesus came on the earth. Guess what? He started referring to women back to their rightful place. Woman, woman. He was calling her Adam or the man with a womb. And he was restoring women. The first person to preach the gospel, who was it? It was a woman. No, it was Mary Magdalene at the tomb. If you don't know the answer, don't shout out, all right? first person a woman back in those days were half cast if you want to get a testimony from a woman i think you needed two women to get one testimony yet jesus you want to talk about identity you want to talk about liberation you want to talk about fairness jesus is the only one that brought everything back to fairness back to he was the he was the he leveled the playing field he restored our value and he put us back on the rightful place amen no one else can do that but jesus himself but jesus himself Romans 8, and I'll close with this.
Romans 8, 14. For as many are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Now, what did we say? Go back one. Sons, not referring to male, referring to mankind. Are you with me? There are places there where it talks about sons, and there's places that it talks about daughters. I'm not saying that. He who are led by the Spirit, are those are the children or the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by where whom we cry out, Abba, Father. That becomes personal now. We were, Adam got alienated from God, but God the Father still loved him. And God put into place, the Bible says, the lamb was slain before the foundation of the world. God already had a plan to save us. And then when Jesus came out at the appointed time, he brought us the spirit of adoption, where we call out Daddy, Father, Abba, the one that birthed everything to existence, the one that you care for me. Next verse. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. You know, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit. Talking about the Holy Spirit, and that's talking about our spirit. You know, in, in the garden, Adam did not have any problems believing that he was a child of God because he was in the Spirit, and his spirit bears witness with God's spirit. It wasn't until he sinned and disobeyed, and he realized, oh, I'm naked, I'm oh, oh, oh. And here he's saying that now Jesus has restored us back. And he said our spirit, his spirit, himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Next verse. And if we're children, then we're heirs. And if we're heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified with him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Can we stand? I said a lot tonight, but I had to paint a picture to show you where you've come from and where you're going. From where you were to where you are. That the victory is already ours, people. Listen to me. The victory is ours in Christ Jesus. But without Christ, you have nothing. Can you, you know that picture? Before you put it up, just one sec. Rev shared this about a month ago about Cain. And God gave him a revelation that why did God reject Cain and accept Abel's offering and and I've heard a million stories and I'm not telling anyone they're wrong, but he made a lot of sense, Rabbis. He said, because Cain was a man of the, of the earth. He was worried about things of the earth. He was part of the, the ground that he, but Abel was a man of the spirit. And then God rejected Cain and his offering. And Abel, he accepted. Now Abel and Cain, the two brothers having a conversation and Abel saying, look, just do the right thing and God will love you. He got so upset. He didn't just kill him. The Bible says he slew him. In other words, he slaughtered him. He would have decapitated him. He just chopped him up. And then God says, Cain, where's your brother? It's like saying, Adam, where are you? <laughs> he goes, what am I, my brother's keeper? He goes, ah, oh, what have you done? Because his blood cries out from the ground. The ground's crying out. And he says, you know what, from now on, you're going to be a vagabond. You're cursed. You're going to be, out. You're going to be like a gypsy. You're going to be floating around. And this is what's going to happen to you. I don't want to read it now. But it's interesting. He says to him, but God, you've given me a very hard thing. And Cain knew enough to know that because he shed blood, the cycle, what did we say? The harvest, sowing and reaping, 
see time and harvest time because he shed blood his blood would be shed and he says to god but this is a hard thing they're all going to come after me they're going to kill me in other words he was talking to god and it was like a he was saying to god but how and god said you know i'm going to mark you but you're going to be you're going to pay for what you've done you're going to be a vagabond you're going to be a gypsy you're going to be roaming and you're going to be tilling the ground and you're going to you're not going to he goes but i'm going to put a mark on you and no one will kill you and if they kill you and they see that mark guess what sevenfold punishment they will get and god marked people debated what that mark was very many and i, I was, was intrigued about this mark so i looked that up what was the mark many believed there was different signals and it was a spiritual mark but the ancient jews believed that he marked him with the last letter of the alphabet because the last this is jewish it's not christian this is jewish the last letter of the alphabet tav the last letter you got lf alpha and omega tav the last letter of the alphabet and they marked him because the word because every jewish letter has a number value and a meaning value even the letter not words letters as well and that last the last letter of the alphabet was tav and it means sign or mark or a distinction of some sort so i looked it up look what i found the modern hebrew that's tav the last letter of the alphabet if you go down look what the early hebrew was the last letter of the alphabet was a cross. And they believed that God put a cross to them. They didn't know what the cross was. There was no crucifixions back then. But to God, listen to me, but to God, the mark of God is the cross. From the foundation of the world, the lamb was slain. Listen, there's nothing that's going to protect you but the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And you go to the cross for that. Even the first murder came under the cross hallelujah god is so good god is so good and now you can read now it says the blood of abel cries out and jesus says the blood of jesus is cries out a, a louder the blood of jesus cries out a better report because abel's blood cried out for vengeance cain even says they're going to get vengeance on me that means i'm going to get a harvest of what i've just done and god puts a cross on him or a mark on him to protect him guess what the bible says the blood of jesus cries out and what does it say in Revelations? We overcome Satan by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. We don't love our life unto death. Tonight is your night to be free. You have seen Genesis to Revelations just about. But I was really strong in my spirit to know that where you were, and now you get to understand what you were and who you are today. We've been bought at a price. It's good to sing songs about the blood of the Lamb and Jesus set us free. But if you're not willing to give Him your heart, give Him your life, you are wasting your time because just knowing about Him doesn't change you. Many will call me Lord, Lord on that day. I never knew you. But we've done this in your name. I never knew you. We cast out devils in your name. I don't know you. You know what you're saying? Who are you? Where are you, Adam? You know what he's saying to you? That's, you do not want God to say to you on that day, I don't know you. And you can make it right. You can get to know him. To know him by his word and by his spirit. Don't gleam around the edges. Come straight into the middle. Because the Bible says that he'll never reject you, man. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. He'll never take away what's rightfully yours. 
He redeems us. You know what? Adam lost the garden. But Jesus got the whole world. He gives us back more than we lost. Put away the childish things. Come to Jesus. He loves you. I'm telling you, 20 years. I've been serving the Lord for 20 years this year. 20 years this September. 20 years. Has it been easy? No. But it's been glorious. Has it been tough? Uh, of course it is. But it's been glorious. I stand here before you, a humbled man, but a, a man that is in love with life, in love with Jesus. And we're in love with you. If you want to re- know our heartbeat, if you want to know Rabs' heartbeat, Rita's heartbeat, my wife's heartbeat, is to have a people that are strong in the things of God, that love one another and go into the lost and bring them home. That's our heart. That's our heart. If I can just put everything I've got into someone. But what I've got, it's not that special. It's what Jesus has got for you. We'll do everything in our power to give you what God wants you to give. God commands us to look after the sheep, look after each other. But God is a greater God. God is the one that will fill you with greater things. I stand here before you as a brother and a sister. Brother. And you're my sister. But I stand here before you as, no, I'm equal with you. Because God loves you as much as he loves me. But I need you to understand something. The road we're on is going to be tough. Things are getting darker. But God's strengthening us. Because he said, take heed, I have overcome the world. Amen? Give the Lord a hand clap. Hallelujah. Thank you. I know it went a bit long, but I had to get that out. I had to get the foundation. The floor is open, but I want to pray. I was really in your seats right now. I want this to be a spirit work. Say what? I want it to be the work of the Spirit. The Bible says, out of the impotent sucklings that they spoke. But I want this to be a spirit work. I don't want it to be like a magic wand work where you feel and go home. I want it to be a deep calling onto the deep work here tonight. I don't want you to come up for prayer because you feel like just a nice little rub on the shoulder. I'm happy not for you to come out at all and just stay in your seat, but reach out and touch God. So everyone close your eyes right now. Because I can see the Holy Spirit flowing in this room right now. I can see the Lord doing something in people's hearts right now. The chief, at the end of the day, what are we here for? We're here to know God and to enjoy God. To know the Father and enjoy the Father. To love God as He loves us. ask yourself a question if you're in the same spot after a year or two or five or ten you have to ask yourself who's the problem because it's not god but it's the work of the spirit my spirit testifies to what i know and what i believe to know god and to enjoy god bible says that to know God is experiential. Know us isn't an experience that goes with it. So if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that you've dabbled with church, that you've been to Bible studies, but you don't know him as Lord and Savior, you, you, you've encountered him once or twice, or maybe you've walked away, 
but you don't know him right now. You, you, you feel like you're alienated from him. I'm praying for you right now. I'm going to pray for you to, to go back to your first love. I'll go back to the moment you fell in love with Jesus. He is the lover of your soul. I thank you, Father, for those people that, for children that love you, that whether the enemy has tried to take them out, whether their flesh is trying to take them away, whether the cares of this world. But, Father, I thank you that sin has no dominion over them anymore, that the blood of Jesus washes them. Father, they repent right now. Repent means to change your mind, to stop trusting in the things of this world, trusting in the sin of this world, trusting in the riches of this world, trusting in yourself, but change your mind and look upon Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. Whatever you lack in your life that you're searching for, Jesus is the one that fills that void. He's the lover of your soul. God will restore all things. The garden of Get the Garden of Gethsemane and the Garden of Eden. Isn't it interesting that when Jesus rose from the dead, Mary went to the tomb and she saw Jesus wasn't there. The stone, the stone rolled away and Jesus was missing. She sees a man and she perceived that he was the gardener. She says, where have you put my Lord? He goes, Mary, it's me. Isn't it interesting that it was the garden of order that was destroyed and guess who came back and put everything back into order? The true gardener, God the gardener. And Mary saw him prophetically as the gardener. Everything was restored back. But sometimes some people's lives aren't back in restoration because they've moved away from him. The devil will throw everything at you. Offense, unforgiveness, sickness, disease, hatred. Stand firm in Jesus Christ in you. I pray, Father, you are the true gardener. You restore all things. You replenish it. Your spirit is amongst us and in us and to us. I pray, Father, that these words do not fall on hard ground. The fowls of the air do not steal them, but they sit in our spirit and let us know that how much you love us. Before the foundation of the world, the lamb was slain. Before we were even created, God gave us a way out. So, Father, I thank you for your word tonight. I exalt you above all things. Thank you, Father, for your spirit. You're touching your people right now as they sit. We move away from religion into relationship. Thank you, Father, that we stand as sons and daughters. You're seated in heavenly places with Jesus. Pray the Father's love upon everybody. Let it be tangible tonight. Thank you for that in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Amen. Amen. Bless you guys. If you want prayer, we're here. Um, if you want to fellowship, guys, outside, you can.